Hey everybody, my name is Bob, and welcome to the Late Night Playlist. Go ahead and grab your favorite adult beverage and get ready to talk about the album of the week with my friends and me. Let's get started. Hey, good evening everybody. Welcome to the Late Night Playlist. Tonight we have with us, as special guests, we have Tom, Brett, and Derek. Special Hi. guests. By that Special. I mean short, short bus. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but well, you know. there goes the radio thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. And my name's Bob. I'm on the shortest bus of all. Yeah, yeah. There we go. All right. And tonight we are talking about. They gave him a name you could spell backwards. That's right. That's it's the easiest name you could ever possibly spell. All right. So uh, tonight we're talking about. Jimmy Buffett's Songs You Don't Know by Heart. Oh, shit. I listened to the wrong album. There you go. <laughs> I was going to say, did you really? <laughs> Whose pick was this one? Oh, that was mine. All right. Yeah, and me with the margaritas and the Margaritaville t-shirt on tonight. This was my pick. So, All right. The guy and... who spent half his life in Key West, I think we all know. <laughs> I, wish, I wish it was half my life. It's, uh, it's been a couple months total, probably, if you add up all the times I've been down there. But it's, um, I'd originally scheduled this for next season. Then, then um, unfortunately, Jimmy had passed. So I moved it up to, right. to this year. Why this one? Okay, one, it's got one of my favorite Jimmy Buffett songs on it. Uh, B, uh, the second reason is um, it's acoustic. I, I discovered at some point, as much as I enjoy the Jimmy Buffett albums and the live performances, I really liked it when it was mostly just him and his guitar playing. He uh, had an album a number of years back called Encores, where it was like the last song of the night on a concert, and it was just him and his acoustic guitar doing one final song before the show was over. And I really like that a lot. And then the pandemic hit and this thing came out in, um, is it 2020 or 2022? Sorry. Uh, I, think, I think it was 2020. It was the first year. 2020. Of pandemic. Yeah. We were all in 27. We were all in quarantine. He was in quarantine with his family and um, decided they put out a poll saying, Hey, I'm, which of the Jimmy songs do the fans like or that he really doesn't do live or you don't hear that often kind of thing. He said in the first hour, they got 12,000 responses. So this came, this album came out of that. And it started out with his daughter Delaney, who does uh, some movie production and stuff career wise, as I understand it, they just sat down with him at their home. And um, they talked about these songs that people had picked top 15 or so, and then he performed them, uh, just him and his guitar. And that's the YouTube version. You get the commentary, the background information on the song. It's just him and his guitar. Then they went and did an album version of it also. Still acoustic, but he does have a few other band members with him, not the full entourage that he would normally have. But So were these songs from prior in his career that had been released on other albums? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, a lot of these songs are from very early in his career. 
and a few from the uh, mid nineties or so. That, okay. Yeah. So did, did real quick question here. Did everybody listen to the same version? I did the YouTube version that included the back and forth with Delaney. Did you guys do the YouTube version? I did the uh, Apple music version and I don't think it had all of the commentary. It did have some, but not not all of it. Okay. I listened on YouTube and there was no commentary. Okay, so there, there's both versions are out there. And that's why I took some notes. I took some notes from the commentary. So if we talk about some of these songs, I can hopefully fill in some of the background and some of the meaning behind them. And, and Brad, I know you listened to it because we chatted about that. And um, it's kind of fun having his daughter do it because she wasn't taking a lot of his shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she thought he was going chintzy on an answer, or, you know, trying to rush through it or something like that. She caught him on it and called him yeah, out. Yeah, made him, made him elaborate. Yeah, and, and questioned his numbers a few times. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my favorite discussion was the one where it's a song called "Something So Feminine" about a mandolin. Mm-hmm. And yes. um, they were debating um, who helped him write that song. <laughs> and he was going wife. through, and it was going through a bunch of names. And it turns out it was his wife. <laughs> Quite sure his ex-wife, right? Uh, no, well, both. They mm. it sounds like they had divorced and then then got back together a few years later. Ah. So okay. from what I what I can gather from the background and. I hope I'm not wrong about this, and I apologize if I am. Even after they were married for a few years, Jimmy was still leading pretty much the wild life. You know, just what you imagine how Jimmy Buffett would behave living down in Key West in the Caribbean. And she got a little sick of living that way. So she said, "Sure, yeah, went went back to the mainland. He said he went to Brazil and uh, they split so, up. And then, oh, yeah. then he calmed down over time and realized I actually want her back. <laughs> you know, she was right. And I'm going to throw a curveball. I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. And mm-hmm. I think, I think a little bit of that is what Jimmy Buffett wanted the public to see in him was that Bohemian lifestyle living on a sailboat and yeah. the stories that he told were just incredible. You know, he would be sailing the Turks and Caicos. He'd be going to the British Virgin Islands. And he would talk about being in a bay with, with a pot of whales that are, you know, doing their thing. And, and all that sounded amazing. And you just like thinking, man, that's, that's incredible. But I'm going to give you an alternate reality that I believe is every bit as true is you're talking about an incredibly intense man when it came to his art and his his work. Yep. So when he was at work, I don't think he would have been near as pleasant or near like what you think of the public image to be. He was definitely a nose to the grindstone, elbow grease, work on a song. He said that he would crank a song out in a day. Did you catch that in the, in the, <laughs> yeah, early the on. Yeah. You just sit down yeah. and write a song. Yeah. Sit down and write a song. Now I don't know anything about writing a song. I've tried to write poetry and I suck, but I can tell you cr- forcing yourself to write something like that in a day's time means you are incredibly focused and 
his his ex-wife kind of threw out threw out some of that. She said something about uh, you were mad all the time or something to that effect. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, I could see that if you're making a song a day. You probably are mad a lot, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. She said she tried to help him and he'd just get upset. So she yes. stopped trying to help him. Yeah, right. That's what I remember that now. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I, I kind of think he took, and I don't, you obviously know none of this for fact, but, you know, he's in Key West and Ernest Hemingway lived for a while in Key West. And Hemingway led pretty wild lifestyle too, but he also worked very hard. They say Hemingway would get up at 6 a.m. and work from 6 a.m. to noon writing. And then he would go out drinking and fishing and stuff after that and then go and do it again the next day. That was pretty much his his pattern. That is not a bad pattern. Right. So, (laughs) you know, and that's, you know, from visiting Key West and Hemingway and he's all over Key West, same as Jimmy Buffett is, it's – you know, I'm sure Jimmy had heard those stories too, and maybe he had just kind of adopted that as this is the Key West, you know, artist lifestyle. You work hard, you party hard, and you know, while you're working, you're working, while you're partying, you're partying. And but I also say this about Jimmy: I think a lot of times his work and play were all exactly the same thing. Because if you ever watch his live shows, he loves being on stage. I think more than anything, he likes being on stage. So to him, that's not work. The tours and stuff are not work. That's just him having having fun, you know, and getting paid <laughs> a lot for it too, I'm sure. Especially if you can travel comfortably and, and uh, kind of takes the hardship out of it. Yeah, yeah. He definitely got to the point where he was traveling comfortably. And, you know, even before he got famous, he he was smart in business. And I don't, that's why they recently it was announced he was worth a billion dollars. This was before he died, you know, his uh, Margaritaville empire and all the wow. stuff that they're right. involved in. Even before that, when he was a young musician and touring, he asked, I guess it was an accountant or somebody and said, hey, how much are we paying to rent this tour bus? And they told him, he goes, we need to stop that. We just need to buy the bus. And then we just rent it out when we're not using it. You know, so his mind was definitely on the money at some point. Right. Along the way. So those of you that didn't listen to the the extended conversation version. So the, the talking, roughly speaking, was an hour and the songs were, you know, like – about an hour the, or two, yeah. Yeah, it was 50-50 mix, you know, mm-hmm. roughly speaking. And uh, did you guys happen to hear the story about him shoplifting food at, during his that, early early years? That's the song, The Great Peanut Butter Conspiracy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That was, that's from 1973, that song. And it was from, written while he was in college, or about when he was in college, and what they were doing, I had to get by at the time. Which, so years later, you know, they're on that tour bus and they're driving through that. T- Where was the town, Derek? Yeah, it was, it was somewhere, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. There you go, Hattiesburg, yeah. Mississippi. And he said that they were rolling through that town, so they collected all the cash they could come up with in the tour bus, put it in a bag, 
went to the door of the place. It was closed mini mart and yeah. stuck the stuck the bag of cash on the door of the mini mart <laughs> <laughs> to pay them back. <laughs> paid them back. He said they yeah. never took that much food. So he said we more than paid them back. <laughs> That's a good story. Yeah, it is. And that's the thing. A lot, a lot of Jimmy's songs are stories, right? And it dawned on me after hearing him talk about them, then listening to the song. It's almost like the songs are written so he could remember all these events that happened in his life. And, you know, because um, which one am I thinking of? The this the French one, Chanson pour les petites enfants. I, I probably am mispronouncing that horribly. But, you know, I was talking about the first time he sailed into St. Bart's hmm. and they had partied pretty hard and a, a, a boat with some kids came up and delivered them coffee and um, croissants, you know, and she's like, I, you know, I like that. And that's where the song came, came from, you know. So, I, I like I said, I think some of these songs were just his way of remembering, remembering the events. Sure. That happened. And, you know, it's pretty cool. Also, he, you know, he did some name dropping and some, you know, some of it's not really name dropping so much as telling the story. You know, he got the Key West. Jerry Jeff Walker took him, took him down to Key West, you know, and he made friends down there and stayed. And, and a 48 Hudson, uh, right? 47 Packard, 47 Packard. There we yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact, apparently, one of Jimmy's early jobs was working on that Packard to keep it. <laughs> Jerry Jeff was paying him to work on it to keep it running. So, so. But I also wanted to mention something about that the the French song and the kids on the boat. The the kids the Friss were their name, and there was three or four of the children, and and I don't know what all happened to all of them, but as I understand it, one of them's name was Mishka, who is now a musician as well. I've heard him on Radio Margaritaville. He does some Jamaican stuff there. From Bermuda, I guess, technically, the kids and stuff. They were just sit, living with their parents and sailing on the boats and homeschooling. Now, as I recall, one of the other kids goes by the stage name Heather Nova. Oh, and really? Know, yeah. And uh, is that her only fans might... account? No, no. She was a musician. I had some uh, hits in the 90s. Hmm. And uh, I remember her. I've got, I've got at least one of her albums. Yeah. She had some good stuff. Yeah, she's still out there performing. I Googled her just to see what was up. She's still out there making albums and performing stuff. Hmm. I hope I got that right. As I understood reading on it, that she was one of those children. Hmm. Also, pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. Now, was that because of the impact of him? I think that had a lot to do with it. You know, the, they said that they knew his songs because his parents had the albums on their boat and play them while they were sailing. Right. He he well, obviously from the get go took a shine to those kids. I mean, that oh yeah, was pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her her legal name is Heather Allison Frith. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, believe that's her. So that's a that's trip. Yeah. But yeah, so that was from 1979. So a lot of these songs are from pre-80s a few a couple at least one in the 80s and a few in the 90s right on this that's and her her brother is uh the reggae singer mishka yeah 
and they spent most of their childhood on a 42-foot-long sailboat named Moon, uh, and they were from Bermuda. Yep, that's him. What a trip. (laughs) Small world kind of thing. Do you guys, I mean, so, okay, I'm going to ask you guys an absolute question here. Is that really a good thing? Like we we hear this and these people did well in life, obviously, but how many people in the exact same situation didn't end up so well? Like you're right on the edge there. <laughs> you, you, you see what I'm you're in a boat, everything you've got is in that boat, and you're homeschooled. You, you don't have anything. You probably don't have insurance on that boat. I mean, you're right on the freaking edge here. Well, so, I mean, the, the kids probably didn't know about insurance anyway. <laughs> true. Just kids. So my, my point being is that we know of people doing that and them being successful because they were successful. Right. So oh, sure. read about it. But the yeah. but the myriad of ones that were not successful, you don't read about them. Well, sure, yeah. but sure. Are, are are any of us really all that far from the edge anyway? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I'd say not. No, I, you know, they true. say most Americans are two paychecks away from the street. So two? you know, yeah, I figured half. But, yeah. So it's. I don't know. I, I guess if you want to lead an abnormal life, you need to lead an abnormal life. Right. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. So a lot of the boat thing didn't work out. I'm sure they could have got regular jobs at some point and, you know, did that sort of thing. But well, yeah, but then you got to figure out where am I going to live? Where am I going to do all of this? And, well, they're, and from, then you, they're from Bermuda. I guess you'd go back to Bermuda and, you know, go from there. But okay. I, I, and for all we know, the parents were absolutely loaded and it was a nice boat. And, I have, yeah, I know nothing about yeah, the parents. So, yeah. Well, it says uh, uh, her dad was from Bermuda. Her mom was from Nova Scotia. So, okay. So that Canada and Bermuda is probably his options for him. Yeah. Yeah. Her yeah. sister's Man. a fashion model. So I'm, I'm thinking this family doesn't sound like they were really truly on the edge. Okay. <laughs> Could be. I didn't you know research they've got this family. They've got two, uh, Two two famous recording artists and a a fashion model in the family. It doesn't sound like my family. <laughs> no, we didn't live on a boat, but you know, nobody ended up working it? at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> so so I want to know who's on the edge here and who's not on the edge. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Quite possible. Quite possible. I'm going to suggest to you, though, that some people remember, though, what I said earlier still holds true. I said, we're reading about these people and they made it. What mm-hmm. about all the people that didn't make it? You don't know anything about them. Because, no, we don't know. Oh, no, because sure. they lead just normal yeah. lives at some point. Right. You yeah, know that exactly. you, you made the shot, you fe- you missed and you go, yeah. you know, you go on with life. Uh, but, Which you know, actually, I, I think you kind of brought up a point there earlier, Brett, though, but guys like Jimmy Buffett, he was a workaholic that looked, you know, that made it look like he was a slacker. You know, that's he he knew what he wanted to do and he was going to, you know, and he I think he said if he just ended up playing bars for his entire life, just him and his guitar, 
he'd probably be just as happy. That was a carefully cultivated image. It matched his personality. I really believe that was a major part of his personality. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But that was a cultivated image and he protected that image. That was not something, you know, who doesn't, right? I mean, we all protect our image. So, uh, well, I probably should more than I do. But, uh, you know, he knew what he was doing is my point. Yeah. Well, even when maybe he was taking bigger chances early on, I just finished a book called uh, Jimmy Buffett Philosophy. And one of the articles (laughs) in the book, the guy was talking about, you know, Jimmy Buffett, things weren't working out in Nashville. So he basically told country music recording to kiss his ass. And he went to, went to Florida and several years later, country music came back crawling and said, Oh, we're sorry. You're right. And basically it had to do with the song five o'clock is five o'clock somewhere. I'm sure you guys have all heard that song. Sure. So I'm going to ask the question who sang that song. (laughs) Was it Alan? uh... It was Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson. And that's what this guy was making. The point was whoever sang that song could have probably been any country music star at the time. You could replace Alan Jackson with any number of country music singers. Sure. The Jimmy Buffett part, there's only one person. There's no replacement for that. What would Jimmy Buffett do? There's no one else that you can plug into that slot and make that song work. So, and yeah, he he told country music, you know, see you later. And eventually they came, you know, back to him and he's done a lot of work with country music artists over the years. And, but to to the whole point you were raising, Brett, I, you know, that's one of the things I think I really wrestled with as a parent is, uh, uh, how much to, nudge my kids in a direction or, or highly encourage them to go to college and, and, and seek out a profession. And I didn't do that at all. You know, one of the things I told both of them is figure out what you love and then figure out how to make a living doing what you love. And uh, I, I don't know to what degree either of them took that to heart, if they still think about that. But, I mean, I really think there's something to be said for somebody kind of like a Jimmy Buffett or, you know, two kids floating around on a boat in the ocean with their parents. You know, maybe that's uh, not a bad path to, to, to figure out what your passion is. And then figure out how to go do it and make a living at it and, and not be beholden to the man, uh, like I think all of us are to a certain degree. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a better life. It can be, as long as you're successful at it. As long as you don't yeah. run into pirates. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would suck. But, you know, then again, the hurricanes come along and ruin your day, too, even if you're on the mainland. So true that it happens since all of us live in hurricane territory. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about it. 
so just briefly, I'm, I'm curious. We always hit this in every podcast, so I, I want to know what was your guys's favorite songs on this one, and really def- defend your answer. And I don't mind going first. Uh, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my favorite. And it was my favorite the first time I heard it. And I'd never heard the song before I was listening to this. But it was The Night I Painted the Sky. And Good song. It was an excellent song from from this album. And I'm going to even go so far as to say this has actually become a favorite song. You know what I'm saying? In an absolute sense. Oh, wow. I I really liked that song that really connected and uh if you if you listen to the full commentary on this one it was interesting he's he's going through a a big long story about how uh which island was it derek uh it was back on saint bart's at the time there with his uh with his friend groovy Groovy. Uh, do you remember that time in life when we had friends with names like that yeah groovy Groovy. that was like a freaking (laughs) awesome name and so he's telling the story about sadly they're all dead now so they're all dead unfortunately groovy is uh passed on too so i uh, got that i'm getting to that so they're they're telling a story about groovy is is part of this uh apparently the island paid him to set off fireworks and inevitably they'd catch some hillside on fire and you know that was that was part of the part Part of the the charm of it right (laughs) right so Groovy had come up with this this box somewhere that had timers inside of it, and it would launch the fireworks in a in a timed ordered fashion. So this was, you know, relatively high tech for the seventies, you know, for private ownership. And apparently, the thing screwed up. The box went dead, and they had to go out. And y- you guys all remember growing up where we grew up, and there'd be a fireworks show, and there'd be 15 minutes between different shots. Well, it was the same thing here is that the box broke. So they're out there in the dark trying to figure out how to fix this thing. So he told a story in the YouTube video about them going out and doing it. I'm sure that there were probably there was alcohol involved and they're working with high explosives and sure. there's no and fire you know, to set the light diffuses. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> So, you know, you can tell that he, they were having fun. And then when they get all these fuses lit, they literally go and dive back into a trench, you know, and, and tripping over wires and the whole bit. So this was this was a good story. After he was done singing the song, he was actually in tears on the yeah. YouTube version. He was in tears. And, and uh, Delaney noticed this and she asked him, you know, what's up? You know, this this impacted her, too. And uh, he was thinking about his friend Groovy, you know, and, and, you know, I'm sure I'm putting words in his mouth that he didn't say, but I'm sure he was thinking about times past. This guy's gone mm-hmm. and uh, what a wonderful life, you know, and it's, and it's over. Uh, I'm sure those things were, were passing through his head. Yeah. That is part of what made that my, my favorite song from, from that collection. That was, that was impactful. That was good. So proceed, guys. So Groovy was mentioned in the song, that French song I was talking about earlier with the French title. 
he was he sailed with them in a St. Bart's. And it came out in the discussions that the reason that Jimmy met his wife was because of Groovy. <laughs> Groovy was his wife's roommate in college. And, oh, Groovy had moved, and Groovy had moved to Key West, as I recall, if I'm recalling the story correctly. And she had came down to visit Groovy. And that's how no. she met oh. Jimmy. Oh, okay. I was confused about that. I couldn't tell whose roommate it was. I thought if that was his roommate, he should have known that. No, I, th- I think it was his wife's roommate in college. And Okay, uh, okay. Sound like maybe he had dropped out. I don't know if he dropped out or not, but some, somehow he ended up in Key, Key West, and she had come down to visit him and met Jimmy through, I guess, Groovy, right. you know, at the time. Okay. And that's a crazy, crazy world at times. So <laughs> but that's a great song, Brad. I, and I agree. It's a great story that goes goes behind that song as well. And one thing that struck me on this album is these songs are not Margaritaville. They're not Cheeseburger uh. in Paradise. They're not, you know, they're not Let's Get Drunk and Screw. Most of them are <laughs> quiet tunes. And, right. I, I, and Jimmy did address a little bit why he doesn't play some of them because his concert's high energy. And they have a few spots where they bring it down to get the crowd a moment to rest. But there's only so many so many of those and that's right. why a lot of these songs probably didn't get replayed a lot live and i think one of them had only been performed live one time his entire career kind of thing but i, I found that interesting that he was smart enough to figure out all right here's how we do our concert bring it down back up you know and and which is why i think he ended his concert with just him and his acoustic guitar was to bring it down and let the people go who have been partying hard all day. All right, Bob, Tom, what what are your guys' favorites? I want to hear what you guys have. Bob? Okay. Um, Well, you guys have known me long enough. Uh, You probably could already guess which one I thought was the best. But uh, I'll say, you know, there were a lot of good songs on here. Uh, And... And I thought, uh, not knowing not knowing that much about Jimmy Buffett, I saw one concert one time. Uh, I haven't read any of his books. I don't spend any time on on websites about him or anything. Uh, I just kind of thought that a lot of these songs were just too personal to play in concert. You know, uh, which that was just me. But a lot of these were about his his daughter uh they were Mm -hmm. they were about his life uh whereas you know why don't we get drunk and screw may have been about his life but it's about (laughs) everybody's life right yeah and that song was was meant to be a parody because there was a country music was doing like they were just dancing around the issue in their songs. Right, and right, he's right. like, well, I'm going to write a country song where we don't dance around the issue. <laughs> right. Right. But, but right down to it. Yeah. All, all of his popular songs don't, you can't nail them on him, you know? And, and most of these songs, all of them that I can think of right now, I, I think about them and I'm like, well, it's, it's a very personal song, you know? 
And, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I can see why he may not want to play that in front of 20,000 of his closest friends 50 times a year. You know, so yeah. I, I can I can see that. Uh, but uh, out of all of them, uh, my my personal favorite was the peanut butter conspiracy <laughs> uh, because <laughs> it, it I I really liked the uh, the thought process. I think you know now uh, I know that none of us have ever uh, shoplifted anything from a mini mart or any place else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, at the at the end of the day that those sort of thoughts do run through people's heads and and all of us have been in a place where it was like well where on earth am i going to find the money to get my next meal you know mm. so so i thought well that's a that's a it's a fun song <laughs> everybody that i know has been in that situation they they may not have actually gone through with it but they've been in that situation where it's like, you know, yeah. Do I do I take that eleven cent, uh, you know, cup of ramen? You know, what do I <laughs> what do I do here to eat today? No, I, I thought that was a great uh, a great story, and I just enjoyed it. I I like that because you're right; it has a universal appeal. And then I also like the last line or the last chorus or whatever it is on the song where he's talking about how he occasionally still does steal something just <laughs> just in case hard times do uh come back around he needs to be right. needs to be up to date on his skills right. you know? <laughs> so, so well i'm gonna agree with bob i enjoyed that one but more i i like peanut butter <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh yeah but i'll you know i'll say overall this was not the Jimmy Buffett that I kind of similar to Bob. I, I'm not a, a, a big Jimmy Buffett fan. Uh, didn't follow him. Was I, I always enjoyed kind of that seventies Jimmy Buffett with the image and, and the cool songs that we all heard. And I, I, I love listening to them. But I never dug deeper than that. And this, what I what I did pick up about this album is, it was a very different guy than that guy, mm-hmm. uh, or, or at least a different tone. Maybe the same guy, but a different tone. Uh, I thought, uh, you, you know, a lot of the songs didn't necessarily have that zing that some of those. Uh, Jimmy Buffett songs that we all heard more had. Um, but all that being said, great songs, enjoyed the album, and I love Peanut Butter. <laughs> um, you what you just said, you hit a home run, and I'm going I to always admit, do. I, and I can only do. do it with my pants off. You do <laughs> swinging my back about your pants, but holy cow, you nailed it! So, okay embarrassing admission Derek you're gonna hate me you're, you're gonna like probably like turn mute me on here but uh I never liked Jimmy Buffett that much <clears throat> and to my this is my fault I'm gonna take ownership of this one what did I know I knew cheeseburger in paradise I knew Margaritaville I knew people that I didn't like 
I would see going down to his concerts and what would they be doing? They'd be wearing these like ridiculous balloon hats and these stupid ass, whatever things. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, if this is Jimmy Buffett, I don't want any part of this. This is not me. This is not even close to me. You know, I want to go hear somebody playing some bluegrass and get lost in that, get buried in that and, and enjoy it. I'm not going to want to be around a bunch of people wearing silly hats and doing all that. That's not what this album was. And I'm afraid to say, I'm embarrassed to admit this. That's not what Jimmy Buffett was. I mean, it turned into that. He's not an idiot. He, he knew what, what the audiences wanted. And and by God, he gave them that, you know, Mm -hmm. to his credit. He's an entertainer. He's an entertainer. Absolutely. He would have told you that, but there was a side of him and Bob hit this on his commentary is these were personal songs. There was a real person there behind all of this writing music, somebody that was intense, someone that obviously very much cared for their kids, somebody that was living a life that respected the, the environment, the people around them. Think about all the people he referenced you didn't hear him say, I didn't like that person. He liked all the people in his world. He really did. And that was a great credit to him. So I made a mistake. I wasn't a fan of his because I misunderstood him. I didn't, I didn't get it. So I didn't get that until this album. Thank you for bringing it out yeah. to us. And, and, and Brett, you, to your point, I mean, uh, you know, kind of the the fe- the the festival atmosphere, the whole Margaritaville thing, and the restaurants. That was probably the Jimmy Buffett that I just kind of got turned off on, and it wasn't because of him. It was probably more the industry that was built up around him. Where I can always remember, uh, I think my brother when we were really young, turned me on to, you know, just Jimmy Buffett sitting there on a bar stage with a guitar playing some of those old songs. Mm-hmm. And, and th- that was the guy that was kind of, that's cool. You know, that guy, he's kind of got that pirate image mm-hmm. and, and singing these uh, uh, kind of salacious or, or you know, kind of, kind of crazy songs. And, uh, but then it blew up into this thing that I'm like, ah, yeah, uh, no thanks. No, I, I can see that, and I've only been to two concerts of his, and they were very much, uh, they were very much Mardi Gras. You know, it was, uh, it's a festival, and it's all that. But to me, it's like it is like Mardi Gras, and it is a little like Key West, and it's a little like some of these other things. They're pressure relief valves for society. You know, you can. You can go, don't get yourself in a lot of trouble, but go and have fun, you know, and they're they're not going to, no one's going to beat you down or berate you just because you're out there having a good time. Right. And, you know, and that's what it was to me and still is. And that's cool. Yeah. So before we close up here, I, I would I do want to talk about my favorite song, and it's uh, I, I have a couple of his that are my favorite. One of them is on his album, and it's Ten Cup Chalice." Ah, okay. And um, it's also his daughter's favorite song of his. Mm-hmm. The one was interviewing him, and, and I'll defend it because to me it's very um, and I'm going to steal from that 
Jimmy Buffett philosophy book, someone talked about the components of most Jimmy Buffett songs, and one of them is the uh, sentiment of wistfulness in a lot of the songs. And to me, it's a very wistful song. This is this is it. This is where you found your home. This, this is, you know, I found a home, I think, is on here also on this list. But this is the one, hey, um, this is great life, and this is where I want to be. And, you know, this is where it even says it's where he wants to die. So, which, you know. Pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah it was pretty heavy. And <laughs> although I don't think the song is heavy. No. it's uh, That's the thing about Jimmy Buffett songs also is there's some seriousness in some of the songs, but the song itself is light music and stuff. It's not, it's not morose. You know, Margaritaville for all its popularity, Margaritaville is kind of a, kind of a sad song. Here's a guy drinking his life away in this town, you know, right. again and again and again, and nothing really to show for it, you know, but. But everybody loves it and they're having a party. Yes, <laughs> they are because it's, it's the upbeat. Right aspect of the song you know buffett was good at that real good at that i, I guess bob dylan has said that he, jimmy buffett was one of his favorite songwriters and that's pretty high uh, praise right and oh, apparently would occasionally do a jimmy buffett song in concert and stuff and which blew jimmy blew jimmy away that bob dylan would do pretty cool and, and i i do want to mention Something else, because a few of these songs were co-written by a guy by the name of Mac McAnally, which is uh, turned out to be a good friend of Jimmy's. And Mac is a musician, a country music songwriter uh, in the Country Music Songwriting Hall of Fame. His first number one hit that he wrote was for a band called Alabama, and it was called the song was called Old Flame. I don't know if you guys. I oh, remember yeah. Alabama yeah. Handle. Yeah. So Mac, I like that song. Yeah. So Mac is apparently in a childhood prodigy kind of guy and dropped out of high school and and if you listen to the album version of this the really complex guitar playing more than likely it's either mac mcnally or peter mayer which are members of his band which are great guitar players but mac is also the cma i think it was cma but like 10 years in a row was the country music musician of the year so and and he writes hit songs for a bunch of other country music artists and stuff but he toured and played with Jimmy and, and I, and I bring up Mac because Mac also tours and does his solo stuff. And I saw one of his concerts on YouTube that was shortly after Jimmy had passed away and Mac McAnally had saw him the night before he died and was talking with him. And he, you know, said, you know, we said the things we all knew already, but needed to say, and, Said it and said I was leaving. I said Jimmy smiled and looked at me and said it's been a hell of a ride, you know. And he passed away the next day. And my takeaway here, folks, is if you can make it a hell of a ride. So <laughs> it's uh, there you go. Yeah, as far as we know, we only get one 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 shot at this. <coughs> so what was it that May West said? You only live once, but if you do it right, you only need one time. That once is enough. Yeah. <laughs> once so. is enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not May West by any <laughs> any measure. Yeah, you don't have the hips for it. I don't have the hips for it. Or above the hips. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't know about that, but you know. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I discovered there was one difference between the YouTube commentary videos and the studio version of the album. The song The Wino and I Know, which was on the YouTube commentaries, was not on the studio version. I didn't oh. hear that one. Yeah, I didn't hear yeah. that one. So the only one in the studio version had, um, oh, I need is what, my guitar tonight or something like that. I forget the exact title of the song. It was towards the end of the album mm-hmm. that was not on the commentary version. And I'm, I'm curious to know why those two songs got exchanged between shooting YouTube videos and recording the album. Right. So I haven't found an answer hmm. to that. Interesting. Well, what's everybody drinking? I'm drinking margaritas. So. <laughs> Mystic Mama, Jackie O's. I got fat tire. I I have no idea. It's whatever my wife put in this mug. Is it is it alcoholic or non-alcoholic? It it tastes alcoholic, but who knows? <laughs> She's trying to get you drunk. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see where I end up sleeping tonight, right? <laughs> you buy good dog so, beds in case you have to sleep with it <laughs> so so, so brief go. question for you guys uh th- th- this is an unfair question to ask because you didn't study up on it but what is everybody's favorite song that's not on this album or if it is on this album what is your favorite jimmy buffett song absolutely Well, I'll go. I already said Ten Cup Chalice is one of my favorite songs. The other one I would say up there, number one with that is a song called A Pascagoula Run. That's uh, also not terribly popular, but it is more, more, it's got more energy. It's song. So it does get played live in concert from time to time. But those are my two favorite Jimmy songs. I got to go with Pirate Looks at 40. Yeah, great song. That, yep. that was always that, I always enjoyed that one. That's apparently one that Bob Dylan does do mm. live when, occasionally. Yeah. Come Monday is mine. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a good yeah. song. Who who can't identify with that? You know, the man wrote from his heart and just you know, you can connect with that song, you know, and connect with so many of his songs. So even when I was not so much of a Jimmy Buffett song, I or, you know, Jamie Buffett fan. I really liked Come Monday. I, nothing would ever change that. Right. So, Brett, you bring that one up, and that is one of the few songs out there more of that actually has a sequel. There's a song called Coast of Carolina, which they say was written as the sequel to Come Monday. <laughs> many years, many years later, in a relationship, and uh, and it's a good song too. It's it's worth the. It's worth a listen, but they say it. He says that's the sequel to Come Monday. Was Costa Carolina intentionally? He written said that, that. Yeah, intentionally written as the sequel to Come Monday. So wow. Yeah, Bob, do you have an absolute favorite? Well, I don't know. Absolute. You know, I'm never very good at absolutes, but uh, uh, I could, I could probably run it down to two. Uh, and give me. On, on a certain day, maybe one's a little better than the other. But uh, I really like He Went to Paris. Fantastic song. Uh, yep. You know, it's a great story. Yep. Uh, and and I, I like changes in latitude, too, mm-hmm. because uh, it just kind of reminds me of my life most of the time. So 
Good times and riches and son of a bitches. That's right. <laughs> I've seen more than I could recall. Oh, yeah. Hey, Amen. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad y'all enjoyed this one. So it was a good so. album. Really good. And it's been it, it was his final studio album release while he was still alive. He's got a new one coming out in a couple of weeks. So by the time people hear this, it may already be out, but hasn't been released yet. So right. I feel kind of bad in some ways because I, I feel like there's a there was an entire Jimmy Buffett there that I didn't get. And yeah, my bad, you know, I, I didn't get it. But so, so he's got a box set called um, Bars, Boats, Beaches, and Ballads. That was he's had several albums since that box set. But I remember getting that box set and like really diving into it, going, "Whoa, there's a lot of stuff on here that wasn't just on songs you know by heart or Feeding Frenzy, the live album and stuff like that." That was out, you know. It was a it was when, back when I was poor and couldn't afford to buy all the albums, so I <laughs> got the box set for Christmas one year for my folks and yes. I'm not sure I still have the money to buy the entire collection of <laughs> Jimmy Buffett. That's- it's easier now. You got Spotify, right? Or YouTube. It's all it's all yeah. out there. So holy crap. I mean, that, that was a large body of music. It is. Yeah. yeah. I do wish there were more of the old live stuff. Yeah. Like, um, the first few albums. 70s. Yeah. What was that? You had to be there, I think, was the live album that came out that had that stuff on it. Yeah. That it just wasn't recorded, I don't think. So, yeah. Unless someone's got it in a box somewhere, you know, that's a. Which could be. Yeah. Well, this Christmas. Everybody remembered that it would have been what Jimmy Buffett's uh what 87th birthday nah, it would have been 77th yeah. 77th right right 77th yep. birthday yep. he is a christmas baby so. yep Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us for our discussion about Jimmy Buffett's album, Songs You Don't Know by Heart. Make sure you come back next time when we talk about the Public Image Limited album. Album. That sounds interesting. Anyway, until then, I hope all your late nights are good ones.